Welcome to Ghostly. Are near-death experiences paranormal? Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. In each episode, we take a ghost story or paranormal event and look into its complete history. Rebecca then gives us evidence proving that the story is real. My job is to debate those pieces of evidence and get you, the listener, prepared to vote on if it's real or not. If you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. As always, we're your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. What's been going on, Rebecca? Well, it's cold. It is really cold. Really, really cold. (laughs) Um, uh, But uh, I have, in fact, uh, picked the next book for the Ghostly Book Club. Oh, yeah, really? I'm very, very excited about it. So next month we'll uh, announce that. Okay. So, like in the beginning of next month? I or? think so. I think towards the beginning of next month. Yeah, because I want to give people time to. Because I hate it when those like tech companies are like, yeah, sometime in fall, and it's like the last day of fall. <laughs> that's when they do it. You know, it's going to happen that way. You know. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm hoping. Uh. Yeah. Well, it just takes a little bit of me getting stuff together, but I'm hoping by. Uh, Maybe by next episode, we'll we'll be official with that. Cool. Well, you know, I've been doing something for Ghostly as well. Oh, yeah? Uh, I can't really divulge what it is yet, but it may bring another way that you can listen to Ghostly. Really? And maybe a couple of other paranormal shows as well. What? I... I, I'm just, just, I'm just kind of... Putting it out there into the ether, I just don't want to actually say it yet. Yeah, until we get it yeah. ready. So do we have any listener mail? We do have listener mail. Now, I want to say we did actually get um, a piece of listener mail through the mail, snail mail, Ooh. this last week. And we're so excited about that. But I'm going to break the rule a little bit and do um, a, a, an email that we got uh, last year uh, that I've been saving because it's just too much related to this episode <laughs> that okay. we can't not do it with this episode. Well, I'm excited. So, um, and actually, it, but it's really long. This person has had a lot of um, paranormal experiences. So we'll, we will do the second half of this letter later. In a future episode. In a future episode, but not too far. Um, but I wanted to get the, the big main story uh, with this episode. Okay. Okay. So this is from Brian. All right. And he says, in 1972, I was four years old. I went on a family boating trip uh, in the Chesapeake Bay. On the way home, we were struck head on by a drunk driver on Bowers Hill in Virginia. Six people died that day. The drunk driver and both of his passengers died. My mother, father, and eldest brother died that day, too. Oh, my God. My other brother was blinded. Wow. I was rushed to the nearest hospital. I had a broken arm, a broken ankle, and a ruptured liver, along with many other cuts, scrapes, bruises, and lacerations. A ruptured liver? Yeah. I actually died on the operating table and was revived. I had a near-death experience. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Now, he says, of course, that experience can be explained by science, so we'll definitely explore that today. It was like every other NDE you have read about. Now, you're probably going to hear NDE a lot this episode. Yeah. Because it's just the shorthand for near death experience. So if you're researching this topic, that's what you're gonna Yeah. Look you're for. gonna see that a lot. All right. Uh he says, I saw the tunnel, the light, and my body on the table. 
On that day, my aunt claims to have seen and had a conversation with my dead mother. She claims my mother was missing a hand and told my aunt not to touch her. They had a conversation. To this day, she will not tell us about the conversation. She gave my oldest sister the chair my dead mother sat in on that day. A man that was in a land dispute with my family claimed to have seen my mother on the day of her death in the road, which caused him to crash his car. My grandmother agreed to take care of the remaining family members, two sisters and a brother. While at my grandmother's home, the dead started visiting me. I was visited by my mother, father, and brother. We moved into my parents' home after the estate was settled. The dead kept visiting me. I would wake up with spirits lined up beside my bed. I just pulled the covers over my head and prayed. They would pull my covers off. They would sit on my bed, touch me, talk to me, and some of them would lay on top of me. Now, I also had night terrors, which can be explained by science. I would have encounters in the home. For example, everyone in the house would hear voices coming out of the attic. We would hear boxes crashing like someone was going crazy in the attic. We would check and everything would be in place. This happened on many occasions and was witnessed by at least six other people. Water faucets would turn on and lights too. My grandmother had to put deadbolt locks on the doors. I would have dreams of talking to the dead in the field by the stream at the house. In the morning, my grandmother would find the front door wide open and a trail of mud and leaves going to my bedroom. Yes, this could be contributed to sleepwalking. So I'm going to stop there. (laughs) He has more. Hmm. Um, but I thought that was plenty (laughs) for us to be getting on with today. Definitely. Wow. (laughs) Um, thank you, Brian. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Brian, for sharing that. That was a very traumatic event, um, to, to have gone through. Um, so if you've got a story, you know, we, we want to hear it. Yeah. We actually need listener mail. We're, we're running out. Yeah. I mean, we've got a, we've got a few more, but you know, but yeah, this is the time. Yes. You know, for this for this coming year, we're, we, we're looking for stories. And remember, it could be a ghost story or just a creepy thing that happened to you. Something kind of unexplained. Yeah. Or something that seemed unexplained, but then later you figured out what the thing was. We like skeptic mm. stories, too. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, they don't have to just be paranormal. Or, you know, uh, or if it could be something that happened to a family member, um, of course, get their permission. <laughs> but but mm-hmm. we want to hear that. So email is probably the easiest, right? Yeah. Info at ghostlypodcast.com or just go to our website, ghostlypodcast.com and fill out the contact us form. Mm-hmm. Or on there, you're going to find our phone number to leave a voicemail. 630-448-2138. Or you'll actually find our address to send us one of those physical Which pieces is of mail. P.O. Box number 264 in Geneva, Illinois, 60134. There you go. And again, if you forget any of those things, just go to ghostlypodcast.com, scroll down to the bottom, and you'll see all of those ways to get to us. All right. So actually, you know what? I'm actually excited about the polls. You're excited about the polls? Yeah. Because I, I, I want to know. I want to know what people thought of the Hetfield and McCoys. Huh. I'm suspicious that you're excited. all right let's take a look here it says in the last episode we talked about the hatfields and mccoys ah i see yes was 23.5 percent and no was 76.5 percent that means that the skeptics won they did this time 
I think partly because I was at least somewhat skeptical. So mm. it was me that swayed oh, okay. people that <laughs> way. No. And I, I will say that more people were hashtag Team McCoy than they were team hashtag Hatfield. Team Hatfield. There, there was go. another option that we cannot talk about. I was going to say some of this shall not show. be named. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was, a, it was a movie that yeah. we're not allowed to talk about. Right. That you could have been hashtag that movie. Team My... I can't say the other I was going to say, you're going too far here. I don't, you're getting dangerously close to something. Yeah, we, we are getting pretty close to talking about that again. And let's not. Oh, no, we have to go through all that. No, no. Uh, So, ever since I was a little kid, I was interested in two things. Okay. Do you know what they were? No. UFOs and near death experiences. Interesting. I know, right? I was a creepy little kid <laughs> <laughs> to be into UFOs and and near death experiences. In fact, I used to watch like documentaries all the times on, on, on these things, and um, yeah, it would it would mean that I would be scared to sleep on on my own. I remember actually a couple times going into my mother's room and sleeping on the floor. <laughs> Just because I was too scared to sleep, you know, by myself. So yeah, and that's when I was thirty-two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I've been into it for a long time. It seems like uh, if we're gonna look into ghost stories, right, we should probably look into near-death experiences. Yeah, I mean, it, they are related. I mean, maybe. Maybe. It just seems only logical that at some point we need to look into the concept of death itself and explore what happens to us when we die. Yeah. Uh, Now, this episode is in no way trying to be religious. Every religion answers the question of what happens to us when we die. This is just looking into the physical aspect of death, and we will try to stop there before we take it to a religious end. Um, But... Is there a supernatural or paranormal aspect of death? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that some of the stories that we listen to today might not, like when you hear them, if you are uh, um, of a particular religion, in your mind, you might attribute what the person experienced to what your religion says. And that's totally fine. But somebody else could be a different religion or, you know, spiritual in some other way and they hear the story and think of something else so it's not about saying what these people are talking about attributing it to any one particular religion or spiritualism or anything you know that we're not going there (laughs) it's more just the the concept of what is it that these people see and kind of thinking about you know is it something um with the spirit or is it purely physical. Well, what I find really interesting about this, too, is that not everybody that dies and is brought back has a near-death experience. Correct. So, and and it's actually, the numbers are, I mean, if you really look at some of the, some of the case studies, there's not many. Uh, I mean, but it's significant, though. I mean, it's, it's statistically significant. Not that it's like, it's not the majority, yeah. But it's not like a minuscule amount either though. No, but it's like 10 10%, which is to me pretty significant. Yeah. But I mean, it just to me it's like startling that it's not all or nothing. Mm. You know? Yeah. That is one thing that I don't know, when I when I see that number it makes me 
makes me think, you know, a little bit. Mm, okay. Yeah. But I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I may be a little bit more of a believer in, in as far as this goes than than um, regular ghost stories. Okay. All so right. We're gonna we'll see. see. Speaking of ghost stories, Rebecca, do you have a ghost story? I do. Let's hear it. Okay. Many years ago, as a young child, maybe four or five years old, I had some sort of infection and ended up in the hospital. I don't remember much of that time, but I remember at one point, a lot of people crowded around my bed and I was in a lot of pain. Then I wasn't. I felt myself floating up to an area full of light. There were some figures there, Ladies that I didn't know, yet they felt familiar. They were very nice to me, loving, caring, and I was so happy to be with them. I didn't even think about coming back. I just wanted to stay with these women. But then all of a sudden, I slammed back into my body. It was jarring. But then I I fell asleep, and I really didn't remember much more until waking up the next day. But I have remembered those ladies and that experience my whole life. It was so wonderful. A few months ago, I was cleaning out my parents' house as we were getting ready to move mom into a nursing home. I found a box full of photos I had never seen. I started looking through them and couldn't believe it when I saw a picture of the ladies I met that day. I felt this rush of warmth and connection. I showed my mother the picture and she told me those were my great-grandmothers. Both of them had died the year before I was born. Oh, interesting. I see where you went there. Yeah. And this is based on a a true report. Oh, okay. I mean, I, you know, made it a story, but this was in a a scientific paper, um, a story that someone had. Wow, very spooky. Mm -hmm. All right. So we should probably take a, a short break and come back and talk about the history. Let's do it. Hey guys, what I've learned over the last couple years is the key to a really good podcast is two things, getting plenty of Apple podcast reviews and lots of caffeine. You can help us with both of those head over to Apple Podcast, write us a review, and if you feel up to it, you could even buy us a cup of coffee. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash ghostlypodcast, or just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on the Buy Us Coffee. You can sign up for a membership or a one-time donation to us. It would really be appreciated. All right, let's take a look at the hashtag pet facts about near-death experiences. Pets. Facts. From a skeptic point of view. Pets. Facts. 
The first thing we need to do is come up with some kind of definition of what we are referring to when we when we talk about a near-death experience. So what is a near-death experience to you, Rebecca? So it is something where a person technically dies, right? Where their heart stops, there's no brain movement or whatever it is. So they are dead for all intents and purposes, um, but then they are revived. And the time in between when they are clinically dead and mm-hmm. when they are revived, they experience something that is consciousness or where they're aware of things happening, but they shouldn't be because they're dead. Okay, that's actually really good. I was gonna, I, I put down... What I would say is that the person would have to be clinically dead with no no pulse. Okay. Um, no no respiration. Okay. And a fixed dilated pupil. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and I did say that I was going to get into um, what the exact experiences that were associated with that state and being restored. Um, it doesn't happen in all, but it happens in a few. Okay. All right, so... I, th- I think we're on the same page yeah, as far I as think what, so. yeah, yeah. what that is. So let's look at the origins of the near-death experience. The French have a term, experience de mort imminente. Sounds good. Sounds good? I mean, I don't know French, <laughs> so it sounds all right to me. All right, uh, which actually translates to experience of eminent death. Uh, it was proposed by French psychologist Victor Egger, and, and it came about because Climbers would come back from the mountains with stories. Usually, this would be after a fall. Mm. So, they speak of having a panoramic life review. Okay. So, they kind of like see pictures of their like, yeah, life. Yeah. Like, like their life flashed before before them in a panoramic way. Oh. So, it was like full, full, full vision. Okay. Yeah. And if you think about it, the near-death experience that we are referring to is going to be more of a modern thing because a lot of these things involve um, being brought back to life, and it was really hard to do that. Mm, that's you know, true. People, people weren't like dying of disease and being brought back. True. Or, or if you had a heart attack, there was no CPR. Or like or a brain hemorrhage or something shock like that. Shock to bring you back. Yeah. I mean, I do know, I have read, I read a thing that was talking about like certain paintings or things in the yeah. past, but I don't know that those were really this. I sure. Think, yeah, that's a great point. But it, it wasn't just limited to climbers then. They also started to notice that workers falling from scaffolds, war soldiers who uh, suffered injuries, and also people that had near drowning accidents were all having similar experiences. Mm. So uh, now we're going to flash to more modern times. Okay. In 1968, Celia uh, Green published an analysis of 400 firsthand accounts of out-of-body experiences. This was the first time that anyone tried to provide a taxonomy of such uh, an experience. Okay. In 1969, Swiss-American psychiatrist uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross published her book on death and dying. Very famous book, right? Yes. 
um, which it took a look at the stages of death. It also exposed some of the problems that, that were happening in hospitals at the time. You know, people looked at death very, very differently than we do today. Like, they didn't want to tell people that they were dying. Mm-hmm. And it, like, if you read that book, it is actually really sad. But it does cover some of those things. Uh, it's mostly about the stages of death, though. Yeah. Then in 1975, Raymond Moody coined the term near-death experience to encompass out-of-body experiences, panoramic life review, the light, the tunnel, or the border. Even though the term was actually used by John C. Uh, Lilly in 1972. So he was a thief. Well, he, he actually, <laughs> yeah, he actually made that term mean more than it was. Gotcha. So there's common traits that have been reported by NDEs, and they are as follows. A sense, awareness of being dead. Okay. So you just know you're dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sense of peace, well-being, and painlessness. A po- positive emotions. A sense of removal from the world. Now, does everyone have all of these things that you're listing? No, no. Okay. So they could have some of these. They could have some of them. They could have all of them. It it all depends. Gotcha. An out-of-body experience, a perception of one's body from an outside position, sometimes observing medical professionals performing resuscitation efforts, a tunnel experience or entering a darkness, a sense of moving up or through a passageway or staircase. Uh, a rapid movement towards and or sudden immersion into a powerful light or being of light, which communicates with the person. Uh, an intense feeling of unconditional love and acceptance. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, if, we are, if we're all going to feel that, then okay. Uh, encountering beings of light, beings dressed in white or similar, also, the possibility of being reunited with deceased loved ones, kind of like your ghost story. Yep. Um, receiving a, a life review, commonly referred to as seeing one's life flash before one's eyes. A, uh, approaching a border or a decision by oneself or others to return to one's body, often accompanied by a reluctance to return. And suddenly finding oneself back inside one's body. Yeah, it's so interesting that that would have to be so odd. Right? Definitely. Yeah. But I mean, from like I've talked to a couple people and um, the one just said that they didn't see anything, but they just felt this just overwhelming peace. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good to know. It is. It is. That, but that coming back into the body, the one one story I read, um, he talked about how it just like even taking a breath was really weird, like oh, to yeah. be conscious of yeah. like be that physical being as yeah. opposed to a non physical being. Sure. Yeah. So in 1980, Kenneth Ring uh, subdivided those NDEs on a four stage continuum. Uh, the subdivisions were peace body separation, entering darkness, and seeing the light. Okay. So you could you could subdivide all those things that I just said into those four. Okay. Uh, also, there would probably be the returning to body. Yeah. 
So there's been a lot of studies of near-death experiences, and I'm not going to go through all these all the details because they all have similar results. But in some of the studies, people were able to describe perfectly what happened to them from the time that they died until the time that they were brought back. And their stories were backed up by the people working at the hospitals. Yeah. Or around them. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of these studies happened in 2008. It was at uh, the University of Southampton. Uh, This study was looking at awareness. And they had rooms with shelves and pictures laying face up upon different shelves. Out of 2,060 cardiac arrest events, 101 people could complete a questionnaire after their encounter. And 9% of these were classified as near-death experiences because they were able to say what was, what was on these pictures that were on these shelves. Oh, that were above where they were laying. Yeah, and they were face up. So you couldn't see it unless you were floating. Wow. Yeah, which is kind of a creepy study. But um, but I do want to say that as far as like Buddhist meditation, Buddhists have been able to um, have this near-death experience at a pre-planned point in time by doing meditation. Unlike traditional NDEs, participants were consciously aware of experiencing the meditation-induced NDE and retained control over its content and duration. The Dalai Lama has also asserted that experienced meditators uh, can deliberately induce the NDE state during meditation, being able to recognize and sustain it. Interesting. Yeah, so when we're talking about stuff, when we're talking about the debate, I just want us to think about these Buddhist meditators that are able to put themselves into that state. Well, I wonder what st- which state, like if it would be seeing seeing beings or is it more just the feeling of light and peace? Probably an outer body uh, outer body experience. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's all I have for the history. Do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I think you, you did a great job. I mean, I, I think it's something that, like I said, there there's maybe a little bit of um, some history out there as far as going way back in time. But I, I think that your point about it really being something that people have started to take seriously, more modern, because there's just more stories about it. You know, that have been coming up since we have life-saving medical things, you know, so it's more possible. Um, I do think uh, one thing that we will talk a little bit about with the debate, um, there are negative NDE stories. Um, There are people, you know, again, the classifications you gave are the standard ones, um, but I, I there are people who come back and say they didn't feel peace. In fact, they felt horror. They felt, you know, um, just more ne- fear, confusion, um, you know, negative experiences. Those are, are definitely more rare. Yeah. Um, but that does happen uh, or is reported as well. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be scary. Yeah. I, I mean, there are some that are, you know, kind of like lost souls kind of negative things that are just really 
scary <laughs> to yeah, think absolutely. about. So, um, but like I said, most of them are, are positive. Um, there's a lot of them out there. I mean, there are many books that you can read. Um, I will mention a few as we go through some of the evidence, but, um, there are uh, as many stories out there as you, you can want to read. And I, I was surprised by how many studies there have been. I mean, I think you're right. The, sto- the study you mentioned is pretty, yeah. is actually pretty amazing. I think they're not always quite that um, um, uh, scientific, you know, with those pictures turned up and that kind of stuff. Well, but. they want to do another one, too. Nice. Actually, they might have already started it. It would have been in 2017, but the, but the results aren't aren't published yet yeah it so. takes a while for some of that stuff plus you know we've been busy yeah. um <laughs> this year with other research um but i was surprised by how much stuff came out last year in 2020 yeah i couldn't i actually i, I found a few articles i thought were going to be ndes with covid um but i actually couldn't find any that were exactly this yeah. it's more like people that just came close you know, yeah. but it wasn't really quite the same thing. So we'll have to see if that starts to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully nobody ever dies of COVID again. And yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, right. I just mean from like the ones that have already happened. Yeah. Hopefully by uh, this time in the next year, yeah. it'll be a thing of the past. Yeah. Well, we should take another break and then get to the debate. Let's do it. All right. Listeners, did you know there's a way to share with the world whether you're hashtag team believer or hashtag team skeptic, or for those who need it, hashtag team the middle? It's our store called Ghostly Gear. Yep, and we even have custom ghostly designs like microclimate or even the Easter Island Massacre or of the ghostly logo. Just visit our Ghostly Gear store right on ghostlypodcast.com to order your t-shirt, hoodie, mug, mask, whatever. <laughs> okay, okay. I think we got it. Um, they just need to visit ghostlypodcast.com and click on Ghostly Gear to order right on the website and send us any ideas that you have for new merch. Exactly. Order your merch today and send us a pic of you and your ghostly gear. We're back. And before we begin into the debate, I just wanted to talk about a couple of things. Okay. So um, there is definitely a psychological and physical aspect of this as well, you know, as supposed to the spiritual aspect of it. So um, a lot of times people have these kind of experiences when they have like a lack of oxygen to the brain or a rush of endorphins. Mm. Um, so those are some of the reasons, some of the scientific reasons people have said that, you know, that's the reason why people are having these. Like I, I did remember listening to a podcast once where they talked about um, like astronauts training or pilots, whatever they, when they do that, like thing where they spin them around <laughs> to yeah. try to get them and they have that lack of oxygen, yes. they will see a light, you know, I yeah. don't know that it's quite, 
as much as some of these stories, but yes, like that is yeah. a thing. That so can so the, the light, the tunnel, those kind of things, I don't really buy into those so much anymore as I did when I was a kid um, because there is some kind of scientific reasoning behind it. Now, it's when people are able to describe events that happened when they were actually dead. That's oh. when I I really... I don't have any explanation for that. Mm-hmm. Um, except, you know, knowing that the Buddhists are able to do that. Now, I, I also will say that the government has been doing experiments with this for ages. Because think about it. If you're able to come out of your body and go someplace else, even if it's just in the next room, and be able to you know, uh, say what objects are in that room or be able to hear conversations in that room. Just think of, I mean, what kind of a tool that would be for the military. That's crazy to think about. I had no idea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely for a long, long time. I mean, I definitely read stories and it is not one that I included today, but there was a story of a woman who heard her brother-in-law like, or saw him and heard him having this like conversation in that, in another room. And, described it to him afterwards and he was like yes that happened (laughs) so that would be really powerful (laughs) but those events where people are able to actually say what transpired when they were dead is they're very rare Mm. and so um the military obviously they don't use this as a weapon that we know of so obviously they they found that there were some problems with it inconsistencies inconsistencies and who wants to kill themselves <laughs> to, yeah. try, to try it i don't but know the reason why i bring this up in advance is because i did not look at rebecca's evidence because i really want to um i really want to go with my initial thought okay because you know we could pick apart every single story but i just i would rather try to believe it first okay yeah all right are we ready for the first one? I am ready, yes. Okay. So I'm going to start with, uh, I guess I'll say a typical story. I don't know if there's a typical story. Um, this is about a man named David Ditchfield. Um, oh. He's British. Uh, and this was in Psychology Today. Okay. Again, we'll have all of the sources on our show notes. Please check them out and you can read a lot further on all, all these stories. Oh, was that in the June episode? I, I read all the episodes of Psychology <laughs> Today. <laughs> the, the editions? <laughs> yeah, all, all the editions. I've got them all. You got man. them all? Yeah. yeah. No, no. Uh, all right. He fell. Uh, so David. So he fell under a train. Oh. Yeah, that went over him. So he his coat got caught in the door. Because he was like helping somebody onto the train and then was going to like not be on the train. But his coat got caught and he couldn't get it, couldn't get the coat off. Wow. So he fell under the train and he actually like, it was just like a movie where he like flattened himself down on the track, like uh-huh. so it could go over him. But unfortunately, his arm was caught under oh. the train and got cut, cut off. Oh, so no. he almost bled to death um, or he did bleed to death (laughs) i guess that's the question right so here's what he said about his uh near-death experience i could see pulsating colors like little orbs oh your favorite Uh. much brighter and sharper than any colors i'd seen in my normal life watching them was really relaxing and therapeutic it was such a beautiful place with a feeling that i was being cared for and supported i thought that this is what it must be like to die. And then I wondered if it meant that I had just died. 
The sensation of love became stronger, and as I looked at my feet, I saw a huge tunnel of light drawing closer to me. I felt, and I still believe this now, that the white light was the source of all creation. I never dreamt I would ever see something so beautiful. It was the light of pure, unconditional love. Every molecule of my body was pulsating with love and light. It was the most incredible sensation. I felt more alive than I had ever done before. It was like I was experiencing the true reality while my old world was just an illusion. At that point, I felt certain that I was dead, but I didn't feel any fear or regret. I laid my head back and laughed because I felt so joyous. Then suddenly I was back in hospital with an overdrive of noise and light and people and frantic voices. I was being rushed into theater, which would be the operating room. So I'm just picturing, you know, this as it's happening. This guy gets run over by a train and just lays there laughing (laughs) with his arm cut off. (laughs) Well, I don't know if he was physically laughing because I think supposedly (laughs) he was dead or close to death. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Okay. For this one, I'm going to say that I'm going to have to go with the endorphins and the lack of oxygen idea because there's nothing there that said that that couldn't be that you know mm. um so i'm gonna have to go with that one okay be- you know unfortunately mm. I'm, I'm looking for that one that i'm not going to be able to do that for mm. so um so as far as a rating for this i'm gonna have to give this one i'm gonna give it a one. Oh, wow a one. Yeah. okay All right. Well, I'm going to give this one a six. Okay. Because I do agree with you. There's not, there wasn't any part of this I could find that talked about like him being considered clinically dead. Okay. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a report of like, you know, if he flatlined or I mean like maybe that that exists, but they didn't talk about it in the story and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, And so I think you're right that it could be more of that like just feeling well even Um, even when you flatline i mean your body can still feel things well or i guess being declared dead for whatever with whatever but even being declared dead there is still a possibility that your body can still feel Mm. so i'm still gonna say the endorphins and everything like that but i mean i'm just saying that that is something that is that is a possibility so even if they had equipment and they said nope this person is actually dead right now I still, there's no way that we would know that they cannot feel anything, except that there's no brain waves. But that's, I mean, it's, this is the question. Yeah. I mean, I certainly like his story in that, and I don't like his story. Obviously, I feel bad this happened to this man, but, yeah. um, but like that is a very positive feeling, you know, to have. So, sure. All right. What's your second? All right. So the second one is kind of going to something that you've talked about, which is when someone knows something afterwards that Mm. they couldn't have known. There are so many of these stories, um, different types of this. um, But I I picked this one. Um, It was from the Irish Times. Oh, the Irish Times. The Irish Times. Okay. Oh, nice. So um, this one is from uh, a woman named Maria, who is a migrant worker who had a cardiac arrest and a near-death experience in a Seattle hospital in 1977. Wait, why is the Irish Times talking about Seattle? I don't know. They had an article about NDEs. Okay. <laughs> um, the next day, she told a social worker that during resuscitation, she left her body, floated upwards and out the window, and looked around outside before returning to her body. 
while outside the building, she saw a tennis shoe sitting on a third floor window ledge. The social worker located this window ledge and saw the tennis shoe sitting and looking as Maria described in detail. After checking the entire scene, the social worker concluded it was impossible to see the tennis shoe from the operating theater. A year later, NDE researchers sought to interview Maria but could not trace her. It was a migrant worker, so it's not totally surprising. Wow. Um, but yeah, so this is that idea of, I mean, this is that different kind of experience, right? Like she didn't have the ball of light. She didn't like see the peaceful, you know, whatever afterwards. It mm-hmm. was more of her floating and watching. I mean, my only thought is that, so maybe when she was being wheeled in to the hospital and she wasn't in full cardiac arrest, I'm I'm assuming, you know, that they, that she wasn't dead being brought in. I mean, the story kind of, I, I, I would like to ask some questions to this. But um, that it there is a possibility that she could have saw the shoe as she was coming in, you know, I mean, from the ground. Maybe, but I I don't know. I mean, it says they yeah they looked around and they couldn't figure out. I mean, if it it's hard to see something up on a ledge on I know. the third floor. I know. I'm just looking for any possibility, you know, <laughs> for for there to be a scientific reason behind it. Gotcha. But this one is a little bit more convincing to me. I, I'm gonna. I'm going to have to give it a four. Wow. I thought I yeah. had in my brain you were going to maybe do four. For me, yeah. it's an eight. Like this is, or, or you know what? It might even be a nine. Like Whoa. this one is a like, nine? this one. Okay. So Whoa. if we're talking about near death experience, right? So again, we were, t- we were talking about people that didn't die. Like we're not talking about ghosts, but it's that like thing in between and. Tweenies. Tween. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> But that idea that there, you know, that you could be, your spirit is separate from your physical body um, and that you could be floating and um, and looking around and seeing things um, even though you're not in your body. I mean, that, can there be more evidence of like potential for ghosts? I don't know. Um, so yeah, so for me, I, I'm, I'm doing nine, nine for this one for me. A solid nine. Solid nine. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever gone to a nine. I before. don't know either. I this one is, and with this, and the types of stories it represents to me are just wow, really I powerful. I don't think I've ever done a four. No, I don't oh, know. Maybe mm, I have. I feel like. I feel like I have before when, when I didn't have enough information. There was something I remember. Yeah, yeah a while ago. Yeah, I'm sure. But this is this us. is kind of the same thing. I wish I could ask her questions and and mm. you know. To, to find out more information, to find out if there was any other possibility. So that's why I'm going to have to go with the four. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Next one. Next one. All right. So another story that you'll find less frequently, but there are still several of them that I uh, I have found. Um, in fact, actually, there was, I've recently started to watch, to, to go on TikTok, which is, oh man, don't, don't do it if you wait, value your time in any way, shape, or wait, form. Wait, you saw a near-death experience on TikTok? Yeah, well, there was a guy talking about oh, okay. this type of, sort of, this type of near-death experience. Was he was he talking about sea shanties, too? <laughs> Probably tag sea shanty on there, because yeah. that's what they, they do. Anyways, it's, it's, it's wonderful and, and a time suck all, all at once. Uh, but anyways, um, so this is where a person is healed 
okay. of a terminal or a long-term illness after their NDE. So this one is from today.com and it's about Anita Morjani. Um, and she's got a book out there. So, so definitely look for that. Um, she was diagnosed with lymphoma in 2002 um, and she was losing her battle. She was 85 pounds, multiple tumors in her brain um, and in to her, from her brain to her abdomen. Um, she went into a coma in February of 2006. Now, she says, by the way, that she's more spiritual than she is religious. Um, and this is how she described her experience. I felt as though I was above my body. It was like I had a 360 degree peripheral vision of the whole area around, but not just in my room where my body was in, but beyond the room. She then said that she saw her father and he told her, um, he said, I've got that I've gone as far as I can and that if I go any further, I won't be able to turn back. But I felt I didn't want to turn back because it was so beautiful. It was just incredible because for the first time, all the pain had gone. All the discomfort had gone. All the fear was gone. I just felt so incredible. And I felt as though I was enveloped in this feeling of just love, unconditional love. But then she felt an incredible clarity, she said, um, and she knew she had to return and that if she did, she would heal very quickly. So she woke up. And within four days, her tumors shrunk by 70% and her doctors were shocked and she recovered. And she has um, talked about her experience since then. Okay. So wait, what did her father say? So her father said- Oh, he's gone as far as I can. And if I go any further, I won't be able to turn back. Yeah. He told her, you know, this is her And then she said, but I felt- but I felt I didn't want to turn back. Right. He was telling her, okay. hey, don't go any further because if you do, you're not going to be able to turn back. Well, you 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 blurred those two together. So sorry, it was me kind of quoting her. Yeah. But not so. Does it yeah, make sense? Now I understand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I understand. Um, huh. So this is this is a hard one. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm really thankful that she that she healed. Um but I, there's no way that we would know that she wouldn't have healed had she not have died at that moment, you know? So I can't really say anything as far as a rating goes. I'm going to have to give it like a two because I, I can't say for sure, had she not, would she not have recovered? Does that make sense? It does. No, I, I know what you're saying. Um Right. I mean, it's not a controlled study where you have a version of her yeah, exactly. <laughs> that didn't have the exactly. NDE and one that did. But I mean, I don't know if the NDE was what necessarily made her recover mm. or if it was she would have recovered anyways. Mm, gotcha. Uh, OK, so for me, this is a seven. I, I'm, I'm feeling a slithering seven, a, <laughs> a seven, um, because I feel like. You know, and again, this is where we kind of get into that religion thing where I, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't want to, you know, there's, there's a lot of different thoughts about that. But, you know, that feeling where it was like, you, you know, no, you need to go back, you know, that there's more for you to do. That's what yeah. a, a lot of people feel when they have these things happen. Um, and the fact that, I mean, here's the thing. If it was like she came back and after another year or two of grueling treatment, 
she recovered, that would be one thing. But the fact that within four days, her tumors had already shrunk by 70% is quite amazing to me. And I think that's what pushes it more into the believable for me. Well, I will tell you this. When I was in Boy Scouts, when I was a a wee little lad, um, I went to this event where they had a raffle and I bought a ticket and I knew I knew I was going to win, and I did. I won a basketball, and I just knew it the whole time. I was like, well, I I knew I was going to win, and I felt that that was you know, me predicting that I was going to win. Well, several times since then, I have like done scratch tickets or whatever, you know, and I, I've had that feeling where I'm just like, I know I'm going to win, and I didn't win. Mm. So... Me knowing I was going to win and I won that time, if that is if that had been what I, you know, if that would have been the only time I ever had that feeling, I would have went on to believe that, no, I predicted I was going to win that. Not that I just guessed. Mm. And I just had like a nervous feeling. So I'm just saying that she thinking that, oh, uh, I, she said something about that she would heal very quickly. Well... What if she didn't, you know, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't be hearing this story. No, but she did. But I mean, how many people, how many people, <laughs> it, it just could be a coincidence. I see. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, she I, could have won the that's basketball. That's why it's a seven to me and not a 10, you know, cause I, not I'm a, open. Not a nine. Not a nine, you wow. know, cause I'm open to the, the possibility of that. Okay. All right. You ready for the next one? Yep. All right. So this one's a negative one. I, I did want to mention one of those in here. Um, again, these are less frequent, but they do happen. Um, and uh, to be honest, this one isn't great, but man, there are some really scary ones. So if you want to look those up, feel free. Yeah. And if you don't feel that you can handle this, you might want to fast forward a little bit. Yeah. yeah I mean, this one isn't. Yeah. Well, It'll be see. short. It'll be short. Um, this is from the Missouri Medicine Journal. Uh, a man who was attacked by a hitchhiker felt himself rise out of his body. Quote, I suddenly was surrounded by total blackness, floating in nothing but black space with no up, no down, left or right. What seemed like an eternity went by. I fully lived it in this misery. I was only allowed to think and reflect. So that's wow. called a, a the void well, I, experience. I, I read a book before that was talking about uh, what happens to people when they die. And the author said that um, that she believed whatever you thought was going to happen was what was going to happen for a little while at least. Hmm. So if you believed you were going to be in a total void, total blackness, that you would be. And then after a little while, you would wake up from that and hmm. whatever your afterlife was then. Interesting. I mean, so one th- one thing I read that was... Uh, I thought interesting is with these studies, um, the rate of NDEs between people who consider themselves religious and not religious is the same. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't like, it wasn't like, oh, this happens more often to people that are religious. Well, we all have a, I mean, irregardless of what religion we are, even, even atheists have a questioning of what happens to us when we die. We all want to know what happens to us when we die. And we all have a little idea. And maybe, you know, maybe that author was right. Maybe you feel exactly what you think you're going to feel. Well, I mean, I 
I don't know that we have any evidence that this man before he died thought that that's what happened when you died. But again, maybe. I can't question the man. So, um, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to give this one a one only because how could we prove that, that's that, that, that was actually what he felt and what, and what he saw. I mean, Nobody, nobody could verify any part of this. It's a matter of belief. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to give it a one. I don't, <laughs> I don't work on that, you know. All right, I'm gonna give this one a seven as well, um, because I, you know, I mean, huh, like I don't know if this is, um, if he was clinically dead, you know. But do I think that if your body's in shock or had something happened to it? as close to death or whatever it is that you might go into some sort of, you know, blackness and, you know, you can't move, you can't do anything. And so you might, you know, have these thoughts, but I, I don't, I don't know if it's indication of like what happens when you die. I don't know. So what was your rating? I don't know. Now I'm, I said seven, but maybe I'm going to say six. So if I keep asking you, are you going to go lower? No, I'm going to stop at six. Oh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's your next one? All right, this is the last one. Okay. Okay. So this is um, a doctor who experienced an NDE. Okay. So Mary C. Neal is an orthopedic surgeon who has written a lot about her experience. So this, uh, what I'm about to read is from her blog that she wrote on Mind Body Green, but she also has a book called To Heaven and Back that you can read. All right, so here's what she said. Almost 20 years ago, while kayaking in Chile, a drowning accident left me technically dead for more than 30 minutes. Soon after leaving my body, I was greeted by a group of beings who were simultaneously familiar and unfamiliar. This may sound strange, but I felt nothing but peace and happiness in their company. I have experienced the deep pain of losing people I dearly love, and it is a great comfort to me to know that when I next return to what I think of as heaven, my son and all the other people I love who have gone before me will be there waiting." She goes on to say, when I was separated from my physical body, I was simultaneously aware of what was happening up above and what was unfolding on the riverbank where I had drowned. I thought that my, I thought about my husband and children, my parents and siblings, and not at all about my work or other earthly worries. As a medical professional, I can tell you I was surprised and deeply reassured to find that spirituality and science are never in conflict. I was surprised too by my utter serenity as life left my body and even more so by my lack of desire to return to earth. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, again, I just have like a lot of questions. Um, how did she return? I mean, how do we, like she said, technically dead. She didn't say, clinically dead or anything like that. So I'm just wondering how she knows she was dead and how she returned. Well, I don't, she's a doctor. So, um, I, you know, I read about this in a, I didn't read her book. So mm-hmm. my guess is she goes into more detail in her book, but, um, she did appear in a study as well with another doctor who had an NDE and both of them like later looked at their medical records Okay, and like could, you know, they know what they're looking at. So yeah. they could see that they okay. were, you know, dead, um, you know, obviously resuscitation efforts were being done for her. Yeah. Um, so there's that. 
But again, this is one of those kind of things that I believe could have just been the endorphins or could have just been the lack of oxygen. It could have been something that could be explained scientifically versus going to a metaphysical uh, area where we're talking about, you know, existence of life after death. I mean, so I, I have a tough time with this one because she could have, it could have been something, but I have no way of knowing that. No. It doesn't prove anything. It doesn't, like the one with the shoe, that's the one where I'm like, okay, that's, you're on to something there. But this one, I don't feel the same way about. Mm. I think for me, this one was, more persuasive because she's a doctor and one that a, a person that um, maybe, you know, would be more likely to, you would think, uh, attribute what happened to her to the scientific reason. Um, and the fact that she was able to, um, you know, really describe a lot of, of different things that happened to her and that she felt like this didn't, um, go against her science, you know, that she's like, you know, hey, you know, there's science and, and we know this much, but then there comes a point where as science, we can't know. Um, and so that I don't, you know, that she didn't find them in conflict. Uh, and I, I, that, that spoke to me. Okay. Well, that'll give her a two for me, <laughs> but that's as high as I can go for something like this. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm giving this one uh, a seven. A seven. Yeah, okay. This one's definitely getting a seven. It just to me it has no impact on on life at all. So Okay. Yeah. Okay, so what would you give your overall rating? So my overall rating for the near death experience is I'm gonna say a seven and a half. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up a little bit. Actually, you know what? What? I'm gonna say an eight. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't usually give halves. No, I'm, I'm doing an eight because, you know, I picked a lot of different, I tried to do a variety of stories, but if when you read all of these stories, it is just really difficult to not uh, believe uh, for me. You know, there's just, just Absolutely. so we, much evidence out there. Well, we really want to believe, right? Like, I want to believe this. Yeah. I, I want to. And that's why I'm going to give it my highest rating ever. <gasps> Of a three. Whoa, people. Highest Pat overall rating of a three. An overall rating of a three. That is the highest I've ever gone. Are you sure? One of those. I think so. I'm uh, not sure. Yeah, but I, I think it's if if it's either equal well, I to start keeping track of these things. Well, don't we have them out there somewhere? No. Oh. No. I guess not. Oh, we have who wins the polls yeah. that you can have access to, I think, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna go as high as a three. Okay. But there's it's it's probably just because of my desire, mm. my desire to have this. I mean, wouldn't it be great if this is real? Yeah. So that's why I'm going to go with three, but that's my desire that's playing that that aspect. I should probably give it a one or a zero, <laughs> but I, I'm going to go three. Okay. What did you give? Uh, I gave an eight. You gave an eight. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that brings us to our closing argument. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time, and we will time each other on our cell phones to keep Rebecca honest. Hey. Rebecca, are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. All right, so I believe that these experiences are real. 
Uh, I don't know for sure what it means as far as permanent afterlife, but as far as what happens right after you die, I think these give us a big clue. Uh, I do think that um, this uh, common themes of light and love and uh, sometimes seeing people that we know, or even just being able to look at yourself and see what's happening. I mean, when you read these stories of, you know, seeing the shoe or knowing what's on the picture um, that Pat himself talked about, um, to me, those are, those are, I don't know if I'm going to say supernatural, paranormal, out of normal, out of normal experience that we can explain. And, uh, and it's there. And I, researchers themselves cannot um, totally explain all of this. And I will say one more thing, which is that every scientist will say that these change the people afterwards. Okay, you went a little far there. I did, but I, I forgot that I wanted to say that earlier, that everyone is changed by these experiences, whatever the explanation is. Okay. All right, you ready? Yes, I am. Okay, and go. Okay, so unfortunately with the evidence, there was only one thing that I found to be anything beyond superficial, and that was the thing about the shoe. Those are the kind of things that get me, like the awareness study that one that's just that's just so bizarre that they're able to figure that out and i can't scientifically put a reasoning behind it everything else there's scientific reasoning so i'm basing everything upon that one particular piece of evidence that rebecca had that was beyond the normal if for lack of a better term um, but besides that, I feel that all of this is just not not real. It's explainable. Uh, you're not supposed to comment during my one minute. I'm done, though. So <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So I want to thank everybody for sticking around and listening. Please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. Remember to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet and send us your nde yeah definitely i would love to hear it especially if it involves things that you know that you you shouldn't have known yes those are the kind that i really really like um so also if you're on youtube make sure that you hit that like button smash that like button that's what the people say smash that (laughs) button uh we will be talking about the Stanley Hotel in our next episode. What was the Stanley Hotel in? So the Stanley Hotel is the real hotel behind the book and movie The Shining. And that was with Jack Nicholson, right? Jack Nicholson, yeah. Yeah. And Shelley Duvall. Nice, nice. I am so excited for this episode. um, And we have some amazing stories. You know what? I don't even remember ever seeing that movie. Oh, well, I guess we'll have to watch it. Yeah, Is I think so. Is that what So uh, that will come out in the next episode on March 3rd. Nice. Until then, stay ghostly. Bye.